Hello from the at the Flix team. Before we start the show, I'd like to bring some important charity fundraising to your attention. Over the course of six weeks, a good friend of mine, Gary Wood, is running two full marathons and one half marathon. Gary is raising money for both a local charity, Cheltenham and Gloucester Hospitals Charity, and for Santander's partner charity, Alzheimer's Society. Cheltenham and Gloucester Hospitals Charity raises funds to make a real difference for patients, their loved ones, and the staff who treat them at Gloucester Royal, Cheltenham General Hospitals, and the surrounding areas. Due to kind donations, additional equipment and items were purchased that would not usually be available, and this includes funding state-of-the-art equipment such as CT scanners and digital mobile x-ray machines, COVID-19 rapid response appeal to support staff throughout the pandemic, specialist staff member roles including a research radiographer and clinical psychologist, and support in the Gloucestershire Oncology Centre. Now this is very much a personal mission for Gary, who has trained hard for these events. I've supported him and I hope you can too. Any donation you would like to make can be done online at uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash garywood9 and we will be publishing that link on our website along with our show notes. Gary, best of luck. The At The Flicks team will be cheering you on. And now, over to the show. Sorry, Neil, didn't mean to scare you. In fact, that scared him off for the rest of the show. Yes, it's that time of year again. Scary music, terrifying films, and of course, horrific TV. It's Halloween. But what to watch? Well, only one person can answer that. The king of carry-on screaming. I mean, streaming. Dick, how are you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really great. Thanks, guys. It's good to have you back. And did you know the at the flicks team are often mistaken for horror characters? <laughs> oh yeah. As the urbane one, I'm often called Vincent after the legendary Vincent Price. <laughs> Nick Frankenstein often looks like he's been thrown together. And then oh. there's that horror character, the leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. <laughs> so enough of the trick and treating so Dick what have you been watching um, which would you recommend we watch over this season with the red wine um, well it's a, a mixed bag really no massive standout things in recent history I've still got a lot of catching up to do now we're back at the cinema and everything that my TV viewing has dipped a bit there's some things I haven't watched that I'm looking forward to but out of the things I have watched I've got some nice surprises in there one of the ones I was most surprised, because I'm not a fan of Greg Davis, you know, the big, large comedian. Uh, yeah. Most of his stuff he does doesn't really, it sort of amuses me, but doesn't make me laugh out loud. But he's starring and written in a new six-part series as a, and this is quite appropriate for Halloween, as a crime scene cleaner. So he goes in after, you know, there's blood everywhere and everything, and he goes and cleans up, and he's very uh, proud of his job very proud of how he can get blood out of every surface and material. But it is extremely funny and very well written. I've not heard of this at all. What is it? No, I only caught it by chance. It's one of those, you know, it just pops up like it does because you've watched this before, so you'd probably yeah. like this sort of thing. Because it was only half an hour long, we were just looking for like a one of those filler shows where you don't want to quite go to bed yet, but you don't want to start watching anything too long. 
my wife and I just found it really funny. The first one was brilliant and starred Helena Bonham Carter in an amazing role. I'm a big fan of hers anyway. But uh, yeah. And then he goes to a different house every time and there's a different star. And I just thought it was brilliant. I thought it was the writing was really tight and there wasn't any lag in it or filler. It was half an hour where it had me laughing and I thought it was brilliant. And I thought it's quite poignant at times as well. Yeah, really, really good. Really nice little neat series. I hope it gets viewing figures. I mean, please watch it if you're listening to this because I'd thoroughly look forward to a second series if they ever made one. I see Stephanie Coles in it who was with Greg Davis in Man Down, which I did like. This sounds amazing. I'm just stunned. I've missed this. So where can people catch this? Uh, this is on the iPlayer. Thoroughly recommend it. That's Let's well on my straight list on the list, yeah. Yeah. You started on a high then, Dick. <laughs> uh, the next one, which is dark in a different way, it's quite disturbing. It's based on a book, and I know from the book a lot of people didn't get through it, and I suspect some people might not with the TV series. It's called The North Water. It's quite a good cast. It's got Stephen Graham, Colin O'Farrell in it, and, and others. And it's about a sort of whaling ship, but it is quite harsh and realistic. There's seals being clubbed. They don't hold back. It is quite a gruesome watch. And I'm sure people of a lighter disposition probably wouldn't enjoy it. So that comes with a warning, that one. Whereas the previous one was funny. This one is quite dark and disturbing. And yeah, you have to be in a certain mood to watch it. We tend to only watch one episode and then wait a few days until we watch the next one because it is quite heavy. Oh, wow. What, the, okay. what put me off this when I saw it advertised? I didn't initially think, oh, that would be quite good. There was that snowbound one earlier this year. And I'm yes, to... yes. The one that was a bit strange with the sort of mythical. The mythical polar god bear. character. Yeah. yeah. That one was, was okay, but that one annoyed me because it was based on the truth. But of course, with elements of made up. So I almost think if, they were, if they're going to do a drama like that, they shouldn't base it on real people. That's what upset me about that one, but I thought it was very well made. But I suspect, I've got no evidence of this, but I just wonder whether they used the same set uh, when they made this one. Yeah. It does look very similar. And, of course, if they'd built a special set, then they probably wanted to use it as many times as possible. Yeah, and what caught me on the other one to watch it is based on a book by Dan Simmons. That was the terror we're talking about here. Yeah. So that was fantasy, but as you say, use a true story for, for its thing. Is The North Water a true story? No, not at all. No, it's it's based on a novel. And and like I said, I know a lot of people that couldn't get through the novel. So for the same reason, I think I think it's quite harrowing. It tackles some quite sort of nasty topics. Right. Okay. Well, that'll be a late night one for me when the wife's not around then. <laughs> <laughs> Proceed with caution. Yeah, no, no. She'd be up for a bit of seal clubbing. Um... Oh, dear, oh, Lord. Not true. Okay, what we got next, Dick? Eh? Uh, well, switching back to comedy again, more light-hearted stuff. Again, this is the second series of um, Back to Life. Now, this was a small little comedy starring uh, Daisy Haggard that sort of snuck under the radar for, for the first series, but I really enjoyed it. Basically got convicted for murder when she was young, about 18 or something, 17, and she's come out after serving 18 years for the murder of someone. And, of course, when she comes out, she goes back to her parents house and of course she's shunned by the whole town you know they don't think she should be out and everything that she should be free but it but it's a comedy bear with it in 2000 yes until now mm-hmm. where did you go burma which is now also called myanmar was that before or after they opened the borders there yeah 
language. Yes, yes. Yes, it was. Yes. It is actually funny because it puts you in difficult situations, you know, that you can sort of understand. It is very well made. But the second series tackles slightly different subjects. So she's still out, whereas the first one was almost just tr- her trying to get used to being out. Now it's sort of her trying to get used to regular things like going on a date because she hasn't been romantically involved with anyone for 18 years because she was the schoolgirl before then. It's sort of normal things. And of course, last time she was out was the 80s. She still thinks of things like that. She gets her hair permed because she wants an 80s perm and stuff. And uh, yeah, and it is. I just found it humorous. And I found it, again, much like The Cleaner, well-written and a fairly good cast. I would recommend both series if you want something sort of light, light entertainment. Well, in the evening. Okay. <clears throat> An antidote to the horrors of Halloween. Um, and where can people find that one? Uh, again, it's on iPlayer. So far, all the things I've mentioned are available on the iPlayer. Excellent. Okay. Or BBC Britbox if you're in the US. Yes, of course. So jumping to a different channel. So on Channel 4, so on 4OD, it's very good. I watched uh, the fourth series of Fargo. Oh, now, yes. I love yes. The first three series of this, and I thought the first three series were some of the best telly I've ever seen. Uh, unfortunately for me, series four didn't follow. I was quite bored at times. I sort of left it and came back to it thinking, uh, you know, maybe maybe I should give it a bit longer and sort of came back. But I just found it didn't seem to have any of the the sort of wit and the and some of the direction and stuff that's in the first three series whether it was the era it was set in so it was set in the 50s i mean good cast it starred chris rock jesse buckley ben wilshaw all people i like i just don't know i just found it didn't work for me it's interesting because i i I did find it worked i i thought um me too yeah and episodes like the wizard of oz episode the one that's in black and white and which ends up with the tornado. I thought that was things like that were really clever. And it was any time Jessie Buckley come on the stream, it just went alive. She was barking mad. <laughs> yeah, she was. Yeah, to be fair, she yeah. was. She probably wasn't in it enough. That was probably one of the... I don't know if there were too many gangs or different things going. Maybe that was one of the problems I found. Because with, if my memory serves me right, with the previous series, a lot of them would focus on like one person and that one yeah. person's sort of experience. Whereas in this, you had uh, Chris Rock and his sort of family and his gang, and then you had the uh, Italians with his gang, and then you had the sort of Irish Ben Whishaw one, and then you had Jesse Buckley as well. And they were sort of, they were all interlinked, but I don't know. I think maybe it's the fact it didn't just sort of follow one person. And, and I thought there was a nice post-credit sequence that tied into an earlier series as well. So at the very end where he's in the car heading down the road, that goes into the earlier episode. You you don't tell me you turned it off for the end of the credits deck, did you? I might have done it. I was just getting through it, to be honest, by the end. All right. (laughs) So that was a a disappointment for me. Maybe I was too excited. Maybe it's that whole thing of you go in with a massive expectation and so you sort of let down. But, I, I mean... If you've watched the other three, obviously definitely watch it if you want to. But yeah. Don't just take my word for it. Everyone's going to have their own opinion. And again, it's perfect for the season because it's the darkness of the human soul, isn't yeah. it, really? Yeah. And how these gangs all interact. When Jesse Buckley says that line, oh, can I watch you kill him first? And you're thinking, even at this stage, she's getting off on this. 
She was absolutely crazy. And the pie she made, and oh, good grief. Oh, yeah, the bank robbers. Yeah, the two yeah. lesbian bank robbers. Oh, yeah. oh good yeah. grief. Throwing up everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, talking of darkness of the human soul, um, <laughs> the next thing I watched was Jeremy Clarkson's Farm. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've all seen that one. Uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I, I wasn't yes. going to watch it. Archie recommended it, um, and I did. And actually, it was great fun. And I don't normally enjoy Jeremy Clarkson very much, but I actually thought he came across very well in this. Not such a an idiot as he normally is. So, yeah, I thought he came across quite well. And I thought the other thing that was good about it was it actually was quite educational as well. I know very little about farming. I've got... You know, and actually, I learned quite a few things um, yeah. from that. So I thought it was humorous and educational, which worked. And I'm glad a second series has been bankrolled. Is it no surprise, really? Since I think it, is it is it now the most watched series on Amazon Prime? I think it is. Probably, yeah, yeah. I, yeah Graham taught me into watching it, and uh, I watched it with the wife, and yeah, we both enjoyed it. I mean that that young lad, K, uh, Caleb, Caleb, just yeah. absolutely stuff. The only thing in that show that I, for me, felt false was when they sent him to London to sell the wasabi because I think you would not. Firstly, you wouldn't go about it in this way. Secondly, if you're trying to sell something to these upmarket restaurants, you wouldn't send a yokel in. You'd send somebody in that that would know how to deal and to trade yeah i mean that felt like a, a top gear setup didn't it where yes. let's, certainly let's take did, a fish out of his water mm. you know and yeah, and yeah. It was yeah. funny let's make it funny for him to try and see how he gets on in london but that side i agree with you it was it was great and episodes like when he was digging the pond and then got all the equipment stuck yeah and, and just watching in horror continuous joke about the size of his tractor <laughs> it's just yeah. a, it's just brilliant <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah, definitely great, learned, learned great a lot train. from there. Yeah. The other thing that I really enjoyed, I mentioned series one on previous podcasts, was the second series of Lupin. Now, I don't oh, know if you yes. guys watched the first series, but yes. basically the second series just carries on where it left off. It's almost not really a second series. It's almost just a continuation. And it hasn't let up. It still was just as much fun as the first. Still had all the elements all the disguises and the and the sort of the hustles that he pulls off, just absolutely brilliant. I, I, Is I, it in English? No, it's in Fre- okay. French. Sometimes I suspect there might be a dubbed version. Yeah, there, oh, is right. a dubbed, okay, there is a dubbed version, but you're right. I I love the first one, and the second one picks up ten seconds later from the end of the first one because the the first one ended quite abruptly, and I thought, well, what's happened there? Yes, the second series picked up, but yeah, it's great. He's a great actor, the central character. And where's that on? Netflix, isn't it? Yeah, that's Netflix. Lupin, season two. So which is the better season, one or two? It almost feels like the same thing. I I couldn't think you separate them. It is just like they've cut a series in half and shown it at different times. I would just recommend you start from the beginning and you won't stop. You'll just go straight through both series. The initial con is brilliantly played out. Yeah. Okay. Another thing I watched that has had mixed reviews, but I found it really good viewing, was the prison drama Time, again, on the iPlayer. Stephen Graham and Sean Bean, both excellent. One as a, as a prisoner and one as a prison officer. Uh, you know, I've read that people wanted almost more of Sean Bean and his experience of going into prison for the first time, which was really well shot the first sort of couple of episodes where you really start to feel how awful it must feel when you're a non-criminal but you end up in prison how terrifying and how frightening 
to step into that sort of world and both the director and the writer I think portray it brilliantly and I think that's why a lot of people uh, were a bit disappointed with the second half I mean it's only three episodes but I think people would be disappointed with the second half because they didn't get more of that I think people would have liked to have followed Sean Bean's character I mean they did follow his character but they introduced Stephen Graham's character and his side from the prison officer's side of things I think a lot of people would have rather it just been a Sean Bean vehicle but I didn't mind it I thought it was interesting to see both people and then to see the different sides of the coin and and how when they on the on the occasions they do meet they sort of understand each other but it's sort of it looks rather than words that was on my list and I thought do I want to watch a prison drama you know I think if that's only three episodes I would I would say watch the first one Mm -hmm. and I think you'll want to watch the other two Um, okay but like I say, it's not a huge investment. It's only three hours. It's always almost like a, a Marvel film. So you're not it's not a huge investment. Uh, that is a huge investment. Um, <laughs> but um was he innocent or guilty then when he was ending the prison? Oh, I'm not gonna give away anything, am I? Oh right, well, that is so they don't tell you that up front. Well he's he's convicted. Yeah. Right. But you okay. sort of you, you don't know what he's convicted of. Oh directly, I see. Right. and then you sort of find out because he's Oh right, okay. No, that's um, fine. Right. Right, but he was sent into prison. It's not one of yep. these undercover scam things. No, no, no. no, it's, no it's like no. you or I going into prison, you know, for for something. It's sort of against character, but you you are guilty, and you end up in prison. And how that would feel, having everything just taken away from you, you know, if you come from a criminal background, it's probably a bit different because you know the system and you know it works. But he is just a bloke who's ended up in a nasty prison. Yeah, yeah. and it is quite no. Shocking. In my luck, I'd end up in a cell with Neil. Um, <laughs> We live in hope, Jeff. <laughs> so I listened to um, Dead Ringers on the radio, and they did a running gag throughout the series about this, and Jimmy McGovern's right in. And the screws, the wardens would go in and beat the crap out of them whenever they were monologuing. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy McGovern's written it, but there's a really young director, so it, there's a mixture of an older writer and a, and a younger director, which... I thought worked quite well, but some people Ooh, say that don't think interesting. Yeah. Some people think it doesn't quite work. But so there we are. If you're looking for real horror this Halloween, time on iPlayer. Um, talking of real horror, I've watched a lots of documentaries. I, I love documentaries anyway. I think um, you'll see a theme in my carry on streaming that I do like to watch a documentary, and I caught quite a few over the last few months. Ones like Channel 4's Human Trafficking, one which happened to be set in Cheltenham, called Taken. There is a pattern to his activity where he is frequently travelling to London um, at least once, but sometimes two or three times a week, setting off early in the morning, spending his time around sort of the Kensington Mayfair area of London, at which point he would be in contact with sex workers and then returning back to Cheltenham in the evening. That was a real eye-opener, especially since it's just down the road from me and the horror of what some people get up to just down the road from you is quite frightening. Didn't they have a thing a few years ago? They were using some of the restaurants there, use it for prostitution rings. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. But, um, but yeah. again, it's it's uncovering the things that go on that you wouldn't expect to go on. And it's it's interesting, but it is also quite horrific that these things happen right, right under your nose almost. Yeah. Uh, I live in Stroud. Nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> I watched a fantastic documentary, uh, again, horrific topic, suicide, but presented by Roman Kemp, Martin Kemp's son. And that was a real eye-opener. I mean, it's a big topic at the moment. There's a lot of, especially amongst men, and there's lots of media campaigns and things trying to get 
men to talk to each other about things. But I thought this was real up. And he's a very young lad. He's got a close group of, I think it's three or four, it might be five of those, they might have played five-side football, but there's a small group of them that, and one member of their group committed suicide and they were, you could see the shock and angst on, on not only him, but when he spoke to his friends and how they were all like, didn't expect it. And why didn't he, you know, why didn't they, he say anything and or we should have done more. And it, yeah, really well made documentary. I think it's really genuine. I like a documentary that, that feels like it's really genuine. It's not scripted. It's, it just feels like he is pouring out his heart. It, it's quite a hard watch, but I would recommend it. I would definitely, if you can get through a, that sort of topic, I would recommend Channel it. Channel 4 was that? This one is uh, BBC iPlayer. Oh, Channel right. 4 was the okay. uh, Taken, the trafficking mm-hmm. one. Uh, BBC iPlayer was the Roman Kemp one. Um, other ones on BBC iPlayer that are worth it is, I really interested the one about Jack Charlton, the Republic of Ireland manager. I thought that uh, yeah, was quite I missed interesting. Out. That, that's what I want to yeah. see. Yeah. yeah. I watched the four episodes on the trial of Oscar Pistorius. Again, that was quite interesting. Four episodes was probably a bit too long. There was a bit of repetition amongst them. But again, interesting to see some of the trial footage from then, see some of the people outside the court. Sure. It was really interesting to see like a South African law system and stuff because, of course, when it was happening, um, it was all just media news. You didn't really get to see the detail. You didn't get to see the court footage or anything. So that was good. Did that change your opinion of the verdict? Not at all. No, not no, at all. No, no. no, it probably made it more. <laughs> probably wow, made him yeah. more guilty because the things he sort of said, and it was really interesting to see the two legal teams as well, and how they both worked. You can see what his defence team. You can see what they were trying to do. I thought it was very, very clear. I, I quite like it when you see opposing legal teams and they're trying to. Not twist the truth because that's wrong, because but but to sort of try and emphasize their side of things and tr- and try and yes. make you know bring in reasonable doubt or whatever. But no, yeah, I thought it was yeah. I I know what you mean. It's let's try these lenses on. Now, does the thing change? Oh yeah, oh, yeah it's very clever. See it through my eyes. You know, oh yeah, you're right. They're not lying, but they're just beefing up their side of the argument. It's, yeah. There yeah. was um, a really interesting article on Channel 4 News on Oscar Pretorius where sports journalists said, you know, when he started off, he was a really friendly, nice person. And something happened, whether he was allegedly, he was taking stuff to, 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 to supplement his, his running. I say allegedly, I have no proof of that one way or the other. And his personality changed. He became a lot darker, a lot nastier. Uh, a lot of that comes across in the documentary. You should try and watch it. Um, oh, yes, they do then, cover yeah. that. They don't just cover the court case. They cover that whole aspect. They've got footage of when he's younger. And you're right. He's he's a, like a happy, jovial kid who just, you know, is really pleased. And he does change. But they sort of give reasons to do with family background and people around him influencing him as well. And I thought it, I thought that was quite interesting because you do... You feel sorry. You don't feel sorry for him for what he did, but you sort of feel sorry for him in the lead up to that. How his life took that sort of path that ended up with you know, and it is and it is a lot to do with the people he sort of started mixing with, because I think he was quite a gullible, you know, young yeah. man. Yeah, he lost a parent early on, and I think that affected him. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, his mum died quite young, mm. wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, was the restaurant incident covered with yep. the gun? Yeah, that was done. It's another thing. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was really interesting. And, and I mean, you, you obviously know quite a lot about it, um, mm. Jeff. But 
I didn't, and I just thought it was really interesting that all this stuff was was sort of shown. I didn't think it was biased. I thought they just they covered it with just sort of the facts, and you so you sort of make your own. You know, some documentaries lean heavily one way. You only ever get that one sort of thing. But I thought they sort of remained quite neutral in what in what they showed, which yeah. I thought was quite good. No, definitely, that's on iPlayer, is it? I'll give that a yeah. And then I watched, and um, because it's been. 20 years uh, the anniversary of the horrific 9-11 I watched a couple of documentaries uh, both on the iPlayer um, I watched Surviving 9-11 which was really interesting because it followed that whole survivor's guilt mm. and how decisions made in fractions of a second affected whether you lived or died like not even decisions that you had any choice over just luck random things turning left instead of right or stopping for a few seconds or going for you know little things like that affected whether you survived or not. Uh, and that was quite interesting to see that from a survivor's point of view. And then the really interesting one I thought was the inside the president's war room, which basically yeah. followed the president when all this was happening. And I thought that was fascinating to see inside Air Force One. I'm not a huge fan of Bush, um, but I thought, again, he came across quite well in that you could see he was really devastated that this happened on his watch and he wanted to make it all right and of course, a lot of his security staff were like, you can't go back to New York yet. It's not safe. We don't know what else they've got planned. And, you know, at one point they thought Air Force One was a target and they were all absolutely terrified. They were like, I can't believe we're on Air Force One in American airspace and we scared that we might die. And you just think, I didn't know any of that. I didn't know they were that. They were that scared of what was going on. And the other interesting thing is how, you know, America, one of the most powerful cash rich nations in the world how problems like the deputy president was in the underground of the White House thing. And there were so many people in there, they started to run out of oxygen. So some of them had to leave the thing because cool. they were, and then, and the telephones didn't work, you know, and even on Air Force One, the ta- you know, and think this is a nation that technology should be. And yet the telephones didn't work and they hadn't, because they hadn't really used them because there'd never been a need to, they were sort of there but they hadn't been updated and, and they didn't work a lot of them. And you think, oh my God. And they were trying to find a television to watch or something. And you just think this is like, you know, the most one of the most powerful nations in the world. And it was quite shocking that a lot of their emergency stuff didn't really work. So yeah, that was fascinating. I didn't watch those two. I watched the Channel 4 one, the Bin Laden, The Road to 9-11. And I read a few years ago, Steve Cole's book about the Bin Laden family, which is an incredible read because he was the, the one difference to the rest of the family. But the series never picked up on his relationship with his older brother. You know, Bin Laden's father and his elder stepbrother, the one he idolised, both died in plane crashes. Yeah, so the whole thing with, with planes. But the Bin Laden family were amazing, and they were very close friends with the Bushes. The first plane that flew out of America after 9-11 was getting the Bin Ladens back to Saudi. They had nothing to do with it. They disowned Osama by this stage and cut off his inheritance and all of that. Yeah, they were targets in America then by the Americans. So they had to get them out. But yeah, it, it was it was interesting. But you know, I having read that book, I could see the bits that they weren't covering and that I found that a little bit frustrating. But yeah, twentieth yeah, anniversary. Where's that time gone? I know, isn't it frightening? But everyone yeah. remembers, don't they? Exactly oh, what, yeah. what Absolutely. they were doing on that day, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, just incredible. Yeah. It's it's vivid. It's one of those vivid memories. You remember exactly where you were. 
I mean, Mark Cuban's written a great book on this as to why we didn't pick up on it is because all these organizations ultimately fall because we get people on the inside of the organization. But with these Muslim fundamentalists, we didn't do that. We've done it now, but we didn't do it at the time. Yeah, Mark's book is absolutely fascinating. I mean, I don't think you've read a lot of you guys. Do you think they ever thought the towers would come down? Because they were so big, those structures were so massive that I suspect they thought they'd kill a lot of people and, and a lot of people would exactly. burn to death. But yeah. did they actually think it would come down like that? Because that was just shocking. So, so just before we went on here and we had a conversation about the Tower and Inferno. Now, and I'm not making light of this, but you'll see where I'm going in a moment. So the Tower and Inferno is based on two books. One, The Glass Tower, and one, The Glass Inferno. Inferno, yeah. Yeah, and both books were inspired by the World Trade Towers, because they'd just been built. They were just getting ready to open, and they built them. And one other thing the World Trade Tower didn't have, which in the film The Tower of Inferno they did have, were these water tanks that they blew at the end of the film. Spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it. But they blew these water tanks, and the million gallons of water essentially put the fire out. And a lot of buildings have that. And had the World Trade Towers had those tanks, it would have prevented it from falling. Because it would have doused, it was the heat was so intense from all the fuel in, t- in the planes that it buckled the internal structure. If they could have got water on, you know, that amount of water onto it that quickly, it would have stopped it. So that there was a good chance that they wouldn't have fallen, it would have saved a lot of lives. Did they not have a sprinkler system or anything, or was that not? They had a sprinkler just... system, but it didn't have a water storage above. And most uh, buildings have water storage above, but yeah. for some reason it didn't. And it's only when I was doing this research on the Tower of Inferno that I come across all this. The other thing was the buildings were built to withstand an airplane impact, but an airplane with a pilot trying to avoid, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and winding back as much as you can, not flying full speed into them. I think they hit these things. And you full know, of a lot of really fuel, hard. wasn't it? Because they deliberately and full of fuel. They'd yeah. just taken off. Yeah. yeah, again, real horror. What else we got, Dick? So I just finished watching the latest big budget, I suppose you can call it, BBC series, Vigil. Um, oh, starring, no, no spoilers, please. Yeah, starring <laughs> Saran Jones, or should I say starring Saran Jones's eyebrows. They, they are amazing. <laughs> They deserve to have some sort of BAFTA award just for the eyebrows. Incredible. Earlier today, crewman died on board vigil. How are you with confined spaces? I'm going to need someone who can radio me leads. I've got a good shot hand with Kirsten. I think this was a murder. That's absurd. If you're asking who's capable, anybody. I'm not a huge fan of Saran Jones. And I'm not a huge fan of this series, so no spoilers, but it makes me laugh that it's set on a submarine that seems quite a large submarine, um, which seems a bit unrealistic. Yet, for a submarine that's so large and spacious, not many people do you see in it. So it's, been, it's, a, it's a combination of it's, a, it's quite a large submarine and you don't actually see many people on it. So you have to take a lot of it with a pinch of salt. Um, I'm not sure how realistic it is. And it's a bit silly, but it is entertaining. It is entertaining. It does keep you gripped. There are twists and turns. You know, it is one of those BBC dramas. They they deliberately only released one episode a week to try and build up the tension, which I quite like because in today's streaming world, it's also easy just to binge watch a whole series. I quite like the forcing people to wait a week for the next episode 
Uh, and you can always binge watch it afterwards if you, if you don't <laughs> want to do that. But I quite like the sort of making people wait and build up. It's, it seems a bit more traditional. But yeah, so I quite like that at that point. But um, I'd take it with a pinch of salt. I would just enjoy it for what it is, try not to get too serious about it. Um, it, yeah. it is a unique drama series for this year, though. I think it's the only one without Stephen Graham in. <laughs> he is in a lot. He is in a lot, isn't he? He's got a good agent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. We, I had dealings with that. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, one of the other ones is not many people have got Apple TV, but I enjoyed the second series of Mythic Quest. I didn't think it was quite as good as the first series. I think it was lacking something. I think it's probably because the two main characters had formed this sort of odd relationship at the end of the first series and they carried that on and I, I didn't quite work for me you know it was quite interesting when they did some of the the older backstories that you did but yeah it didn't quite hit all the no, high notes of the no. first series i mirror that exactly i mean the first series had that incredible show where they went back in time and showed how that the gaming company that occupied the building before the mythic quest people did and i thought that was a standout and there was nothing of that level in the second one and yeah um it was just a little bit of a letdown but i'll watch the third series because i'm sure there's going to be a third one yeah are you uh, speaking of apple tv are you watching ted lasso i am but i haven't finished it yet but i am enjoying it i i yeah i love the first series and i am enjoying the second series are you up to date this because there's one as we record this there's one episode left to go i'm not up to date no i'm a bit behind I'm behind as well. Uh, I um, complained at the beginning that there was no darkness. It was all too touchy-feely for me, season two, when it started. I take that back now. Okay. <laughs> That's good to hear. That's all I'll say. Foreshadowing. Right? Yeah. The other thing I'm looking forward to, because I was really surprised, I mentioned it on a on a previous streaming one, is that I'm looking forward to the second series of The Morning Show. I didn't expect to like the first series i think i remember i only ever watched it because there wasn't much else on and one of our other regular visitors um paul recommended it and i watched it and absolutely loved the first series and thought they handled the whole topic brilliantly really really well done so i'm not sure how they're going to do the second series and and whether they're going to handle a a different topic or whether they're going to continue the same theme i don't know when it was very much a, a a me too series whether they're going to carry on which would seem a bit odd because now they've done that or whether they're going to try and tackle something some other stuff that's come out in the media i don't know i don't know how they're going to do it but 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 i am intrigued by that by that second series okay i'm getting a lot of hassle for my children to watch it so did they did they give good reviews for the second series yeah they did oh that's good they loved the second series yeah so that's what that's a highlight of what I've been watching. Can I just throw in one that I, I've only just caught up with it? So you've probably seen it ages ago. It's on all four. It's an animated series, which I normally don't like, but I did, after a shaky start, get quite into it. Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah. You only just started watching that. I've only oh. just started watching. I've watched all the season one and that season two to watch now. Yeah. But, but I, I thought the way the, the characters, you know, the. The, the relationship between her and Poison Ivy, the team she put together, this sort of living in the shadow of the Joker, you know, all stuff they've done on film, but I thought it was interesting how they did it in the series. I was quite impressed. I still think that some of the best superhero stuff is the animated stuff. Yes, I mean, that, definitely. The Batman series that they did back, God, it must be quite a while now, showing my age, but the, 
is it the mask of the what was it called mask of the phantasium or whatever it was called the f- oh mask yes. of phantasm isn't that? phantasm yeah um fantastic and that whole series around that time was absolutely some of the best batman ever um just thought it was fantastic um i think and, and the old um avengers stuff from a long time ago when i was younger i loved that animated series as well i just think it, i suppose because it's comic book isn't it it work it just seems to work for me i just think it seems to work so well doing superheroes on animated that's what you've seen and certainly a few horrors there although very real horrors what uh, what have you got coming up oh i've got lots <clears> i mean <throat> the, the the one i'm really excited about was i mean you being a horror fan you'll understand this i think you like me absolutely love the haunting of hill house yeah because of the feedback that a lot of my friends and colleagues said about the blithe manor and how don't bother watching it because it's just not worth it and apparently it was a real shame because i was quite excited about after the haunting of hill house quite excited to watch the second series so i'm really excited about midnight mass so the new yes, series that's just yes. dropped now isn't it yes. yeah. it's just dropped that uh, according to uh, reviews from other people he, he's he's back on track again it's a meeting up of the some of the people from the haunting of hill house and some of the people from blythe manor and there's some sort of they they get together or something but apparently it's back on form apparently the the horror is as good as haunting of hill house so i was again i wasn't going to bother because i was so put off by the blythe manor reviews but then a few of my colleagues said no 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 watch it forget that don't don't watch blythe manor just miss it out because i said oh does it matter that i haven't seen it and they said no no it doesn't matter it's not it's not integral to the story or anything but make sure you watch midnight mass so that's again on netflix isn't it that's again on netflix so that would be a very good one to watch over the halloween season if you haven't already watched it i think anything by mike flanagan i I do think he's an excellent director and he 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 is sort of old-fashioned in his scares not so much you know not only in the tv work that he's done but the the film work dr sleep i thought um was tremendous Oculus was good, but the one to shout out on, which really surprised me, was Ouija: Origin of Evil, which is a prequel to Ouija, set in the sixties. But the way the production values on that film were incredible. I just thought it was a first-rate little movie. With anything he says, you just look down his credits. You know they are really, really good. This is what horror directors should be: build your characters, build the scares out of it not just throw a glass on the floor every now and again. I did miss one out, actually, and I think it's because I was so disappointed that I didn't actually write it down. But one of my favourite shows, which I've mentioned on a previous podcast on Netflix, was Black Summer, the zombie series that I thought was just gripping and tense and edge of your seat and just brilliant, heart in your mouth, first series. What did they do with the second series? I just... How could you go so wrong? How could you go from something that the, the formula just worked to just changing it? So whether they just thought, well, we've got to change it so much because we can't do the same again. I don't know. But it was just all over the place and it was just didn't make sense. I know humans can be idiots at the best of times. But if you've got a, a zombie apocalypse and you know by shooting someone, they're going to turn into a zombie straight away. And these zombies aren't slow. You know, they're fast zombies, so they're going to come straight at you. Why would you bother shooting? And if you're going to shoot them, why wouldn't you just shoot them in the head? I, you know, it just, they were, and it was like, 
rivals just shooting them and then they become zombies and then they go back and kill the guy who shot them. You think, are these people like that unintelligent? That I mean, this is meant to be set, you know, they've got used to what's going on, they so they understand it. And yet they're doing these weird, and it, and it just ruined the whole concept of me. You think, re, would that many people really be that stupid? You know, one or two might be. <laughs> well, I suppose Brexit happened, so yeah, I suppose it's possible. Oh, yeah, but, um, yeah let, 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 let's be honest. We, we had, you know, COVID started. Nobody knew where it was going. What's the first panic? Food, warmth, no, toilet rolls. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, what can you say? Yeah, it was just a real disappointment. I was real, and I kept, I stuck with it because I thought it's got to get better. It's got, surely, I thought maybe it's just warming up to something. And I'm, I just made my way through the series and thought, oh my goodness, I'm pleased that's over. Dropped the ball completely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a shame. It was one of my favorite finds on Netflix was that first series. So I'd say to people, go back, watch the first series, then just don't bother carrying on. I would, I'd recommend they're not connected at all. So you won't miss out on anything. Watch that first series, enjoy it, but then just turn it off. On the subject of zombie series, of course, it's been a big shock for British fans of The Walking Dead to find that the Fox Channel on Sky or on on cable has shut down and everything that was Fox has now flipped over to Disney. So to watch the very last series of Walking Dead, which I think is 25 episodes long, you now have to uh, go on to Disney and to Disney Plus. And I think they're doing it in two blocks of eight and one block of nine to complete the series. And they just come into the end as we record this of the first block of eight. And I must admit it has actually been quite good. If you're looking for it on sky, forget it. And the other big, the big one I'm looking forward to, which is out already. And a lot of people have watched it already. is the third series of sex education. So I'm really looking forward to that. I've put it off for the time being while I, while I'm finishing off other series, most of which I've, I've mentioned in this, but I'm just looking forward to the point where I can just sit down and I probably will end up watching it over two or three nights because I did with the other series do the same thing. I find that I have to watch sort of two or three in a go. And can I just say a a bit of a retro one? Uh, It's still available uh, on BBC iPlayer. Uh, They've got all three series of The Killing, the original best Scandi drama. You know I'm a big fan of Scandi dramas, but this is the one that you have to watch if you haven't i know it's subtitled jeff but uh okay absolutely not the american version not the remake this is the original and it is still by far the best and the sarah lund yes ones. sarah lund Fantastic. so if you haven't got around to seeing this yet it is still available and i would recommend that you watch it i might go and watch it again i hadn't realized it was back so what else are you looking forward to then I don't know. They're they're, the, they're my main ones. Okay, um, I'll drop a few in for you. Have you seen Foundation yet? You're familiar with my work, psychohistory. Every mathematician has read your theory. It's not a theory. It's the future of mankind expressed in numbers, and the Empire won't like the future I predict. History is littered with charlatans and false messiahs. We should kill them. We can murder the man, but what about the movement, brother? Martyrs tend to have a long half-life. Of course, yeah, that's just come out, hasn't it? Yes. Yes, that is on my list. Sorry, I just... Uh, um... Yes, so the first three there. Now, in preparation, I reread the Foundation series, and oh my 
God, it has not aged well. And when I read it, I thought it was the most fantastic, action-packed thing I'd ever read at the time. I was very young. I think I was about 15 or 16 when I read it. Going back to it, oh my goodness, it was white American men uh, create an empire and then white American men uh, save the empire and we build a new empire and there's no women in it. There's one woman in the second part, which she's sort of, sort of, a, <laughs> almost, almost a housewife and love interest of the mule, and that's about it. Of a uh, mule, the mule who comes in the second book. Okay, right. But this- um, yeah, they have taken it in a different direction. It's on Apple. Okay, okay. So, so Dick, I'm going to take your your normal TV watching environment now. Put you on your favourite seat to watch them. Um, TV, it's Halloween. If you had it, we're going to put on a couple of horror movies. What films would you pick to watch on Halloween? Well, definitely one, The Haunting, the original 1963 or Robert Wise. Yeah. Yeah. Marvelous. Absolutely. It is, it is my all time favorite horror movie. Yeah. Mine. And it is the one that still scares the living daylights out of me. I, I right, cannot watch off that my film. list. I, I can't watch that film on my own. I, I, there has to be somebody else in there. And it's and it's proper horror. It's not it's not your silly creature climbing the ceiling. It's the human mind and it's how we all you get scared by noises and things like that. But you know the whole premise is this guy's trying to prove that it is all in the mind and and then, but then things take, yeah, I just, yeah. it's the and, perfect horror movie. Yeah, And you could watch it as it's all in that woman's mind. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't see it like that. But talk about jump scares. There is one moment in this film and you don't expect it. It is the ultimate jump scare. And you're, you're just like, what the hell just happened? If you want I, to watch it, Graham, no, I, I would no. Well, if you I've, got it on, I've got it on DVD as well. If you want to borrow it, no. yeah, yeah. I yeah, still that's... remember my wife and I. I think it was one Halloween. Put it on, and even though we'd seen it before, we put it on and we just watched it in bed and absolutely terrified again. I I should just watch that once a year, every year. But then would I get bored if I watched it that much? I don't know. But I do love that. I do love yeah. that movie. As a companion piece to that, I would recommend to you then The Legend of Hell House, 1973 film based on the book by Richard Matheson, who wrote so, Iron I, Legend. No, I think I might have um, seen that, but who's in it? Uh, Roddy McDowell. Yeah, um, I think I've seen that one. Pamela Franklin. But it's just, again, a really eerie movie. But what would be your other choice then? I don't know. I'm just looking at, I'm looking, glancing over to my. DVD collection to see if anything stands out. Uh, I've got quite a few. It'd be difficult to just pick one. I do like Descent a lot. Oh, yeah, um, this is my perfect double bill you're picking out, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I do, do like Descent a lot. I like 28 Days Later, only only 28 Days Later, not any of the other ones. I'm one of the few people that really likes Blair Witch Project. Now, the thing is, I haven't watched it. I think I've only watched it a couple of times. And I know things have changed and I've grown up a bit and I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. But that, because at the time with the media campaign and it was the first one of these found footage, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Obviously, it's been done a lot. Other people have remade it. You know, found footage has become quite a thing. 
this was the first one and I think there was an element of wow this is amazing which is probably not no longer true I did enjoy it at the time so I suppose if you've never seen it and you're scared of uh, the woods at night time you know now with mobile phones and technology and people just yeah. using google and that you, it, it probably wouldn't work as well as it did then and again even with the the cameras they used and things it probably wouldn't work as well i think it was one of those films that in the right time at the right yeah. place it was amazing probably has lost a lot over time i think the problem with the play witch and it's a problem of many of these horror films that have been made in recent years is they have such a hit they said oh, we've got to make another one and they develop this franchise with nothing behind it. So the Blair Witch works because at the end of it, you're not quite sure what's gone on. Yeah. And then the other films, Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows, and then the remake of Blair Witch, or which, is, which was essentially um, the sequel, they just try and expand this universe and it doesn't, it doesn't need it. It just leave it alone. And the actors were scared. I mean, it was a new thing. You know, they were sent in. They didn't know what was going to happen to them. So there was a, a real fear from their perspective. So, yeah, it worked. And as you say, the marketing for that film at that time, at the start of the internet, was pitch perfect. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen <clears> it, Graham? No. No. I haven't no? seen it. No, but I saw all the advertising and I thought, I am never going to watch this. This <laughs> looks as scary as hell. Yeah. And they set up all fake websites and all sorts of things yeah so why very what, well done. what what do you not like about horror what 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 is it that you don't like i have no idea i see i read horror books i like vampire stories and vampire films but is it I the bloody the... ones you don't like is it the no, ones that are no, gory or... absolutely f- i loved blade you know the right. blade series there's a lot of blood in that he, um, he's, he's going to see halloween kills i like the halloween things but I think jump scares get me a lot. and uh... Yeah, I just find jump scares now just really boring and old hat. So when you get films like recently like Malignant, and Malignant has its own problems, and we've discussed that. I discussed it with people that weren't wimps that actually went to see it. But it didn't do jump scares. And, uh, you know, for James Wan to throw all that out and try and take a different approach to his story, you know, and may almost make a 70s horror movie, I thought was really good. It's difficult because I love, I still love jump scares, and yet it's almost not trendy to do them now. It's almost yeah. like yeah. if you do them, that's oh, that's so obvious. That's, that's what people expect, and so now they've they've gone more sort of arty and more sort of psychological sort of weirdness, and that doesn't scare me as much. Well, so. see, funny enough, I, I I think the opposite there because it's the old Hitchcock story when he says. You know, you're, you're filming a scene there's, and there's two people on the bus and they're talking and suddenly there's a huge explosion because there was a bomb on the bus. And there's a shock in the audience, you know, sharp intake of breath. He said, but now you film it that the two guys are on the bus and you show the bomb ticking away. So now the audience knows what the characters don't and the suspense is there building up to that explosion. And to me, that works. And that, I don't mind the odd jump scare. You know, if it's used sparingly, it's very effective. And again, we go back to the Haunting, which has, as I said, one of the great, greatest jump scares of all time. But if you're going to constantly use it, what happens in the end is you give it, I mean, Paranormal Activity 2 is a great example. You know, for some reason, they kept cutting to this stupid hoover in the bottom of a swimming pool, you know, cleaning around. And the whole thing builds up over this film. And in the end, it's thrown out by this invisible ghost. And really, that was that was it. Was it that that was what you're trying to do? And, and because it does so many jump scares, there's a law of diminishing returns. If you can build the suspense, in, which is why Mike Flanagan's really good, 
and why, as you say, Deck, this trend to move away from jump scares, I think is making horror films more effective. They're making a lot more money. They don't always work. I didn't, you know, I have a lot of problems with Malignant. I hated the new Candyman, uh, which also went away from jump scares, but it could have done with some there because it was crap. What gets me with horror, though, horror is brilliant for, for young emerging directors. Mm. It's a fairly cheap way to make yeah. a film because a lot of it's dark. Therefore, you know, you, you can get away with a lot. You can use music and stuff to build atmosphere. You know, there's a lot of little techniques you can use. You don't need a lot of CGI or expensive. You don't even need, you know, famous actors. You know, people go and see a horror, you know, even with a B-list starring. But so horror is one of those things that why do they bother doing sequels at all? Because yes. they, the whole point, you know, if you think of all some of the best horror films, like Paranormal Activity, which I think is terrifying, why bother with any of the sequels? Because yeah. the first one is just brilliant. Just watch the first one again. Um, it's because there's exactly it's so, they're so cheap to to make, and if they're good, they make a ton of cash. So I think it's just purely yeah. they just want to make more money. Oddly, it all goes back to Halloween. Yeah. When Halloween made that amount of money. You know, they wanted to make a sequel. Horror sequels, there'd been a couple, and they were in the doldrums when Halloween came along because they'd just done The Exorcist 2, which had flopped big time. Halloween had come along. They really wanted to make this sequel because it made so much money on so little money invested in it. And then you had, like, The Omen was there at the time, Friday the 13th, and it kicks off all these franchises. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. And, you know, they, they then... With Halloween, it was a law diminishing returns. With Friday the Thirteenth, it was the other way. These films made more money as they made more of them. But that was the that was the the video culture, wasn't it? That was the you know the blockbuster video hire. A lot of those franchises did well from that, where people wanted to go and hire a VHS tape from Blockbuster and just wanted to be scared. And they rattled yeah. out these franchises, and it it served its purpose. But I think nowadays. I wish they would just make new ones every time because they, there's some really, you know, you see some of the, the new ideas, the new ones, and they're brilliant. I mean, Get Out yes. was fantastic. And it was oh, a whole, new, was whole new concept that no one had really done before. And fantastic. You know, why bother making a sequel? Don't. Just make another good one. Oh, the thing I really loved in Get Out was all the subtle references inside it. So when he starts picking the arm of the chair to get out of the chair he's actually picking cotton Uh, and there's loads of things little things like that that are just and i thought oh and i didn't spot this i mean i read the reviews on on reddit people who pay a lot more attention to these films than i do it's funny isn't it because if i'm really enjoying a film like that i don't tend to notice these things i'm i'm so engrossed in the story yeah yeah that whereas if it's a a film that I'm not enjoying as much, then I might notice these things because I'm yes. trying to find some interest in it. So, mm. I I did like Old. I thought Old was a very clever little um, nasty piece of work from M. Night Shyamalan. But it should have been a TV thing, really. It should have been. Yeah, a... see, Graham watched that one. Yeah, I watched that one. I enjoyed that. Have you got any spare things planned for Halloween this year, Deck, or just a quiet going... one in the family? I'm going to a gig on Halloween. Are you? What you have to say? You probably won't have heard of them. I, uh, I'll guarantee I won't have heard of them. They're called Public Service Broadcasting. Oh, right. I've just got their new album. And I absolutely love their new album. The so German I, I, one. It's all yeah, in German. I've, for... I've been to see them live about five times now. <laughs> wow, I've seen and them twice. I like their 
old stuff which is uh based on public service broadcasts so they sample from they have one that's uh about world war ii about the spitfire and stuff they have one that's the space race which is a fantastic album with you know clips from the uh, the moon landing and stuff they have one about the valleys in the, in the welsh valleys and the mining uh they've got another one about education is it and uh, public yes. service broadcast about um yeah. but this is the first one where they've not really sampled as much he, he went over to berlin and he made it all out there he wrote it all out there and it's and because i'm a lover of early 80s electronic uh music oh, craft work influences yeah, are huge you, in the album yeah i mean you i listen to the album and i hear i hear craft work i hear the blade runner soundtrack yes i hear tangerine dream. terminator terminator soundtrack in yeah, there and there's tangerine dream in there yeah, as well, yeah. and all, everything i love and he seemed to me it's it's one of my favorite albums of the year and I am so excited. I haven't been to a live gig now for what, nearly coming on for two years. And I miss them so much. It's the one thing I haven't been able to recreate. What about you, Graham? What are you doing for Halloween? Uh, nothing, Jeff. I will not be watching The Legend of Hell House or uh, any of those other films. The Haunting. Uh, the, the Haunting, haunting of Hill yeah. House. The Haunting of Hill House. Like Based on that. a book by Shirley Jackson. Which King Stephen King calls one of his favourite books of all time. Yeah, yeah. But I am going to go and see um, a few horror films over it. No, you're period. going to see one. You're going to see Halloween Kills. I'm going to see Halloween Kills. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I might watch. Um, oh yeah, no, actually two. Last night of last night. Last in Soho. night Soho. Yes. Yes. Is I'm that horror that. though? Is that really horror? It looks I pretty it horror. Touches, I think it touches on horror. Do you think so? It's an 18 know. certificate. Yeah, but that's because. I'd say thriller more than horror, but I don't know. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm really excited about that. It's one of the films I am most looking forward to this this sort of winter. Well, thank you, Dick. After Halloween, of course, it's full speed ahead for Christmas when we have to be nice to each other, even Neil. So I take it you'll be back for your usual end-of-year streaming special? I will indeed. I will do as much research as I can, as watch as much as I can, and uh, feedback to all the listeners. Fantastic. Thank you, Dick, and compliments of this horror season to you. Cheers, Dick. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. <laughs>